Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery and addiction topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The views expressed here are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. recovery sort of i'm jason i'm a guy wearing long johns i'm billy i'm a person in long-term recovery and today we have jenny hi good morning or good <laughs> afternoon whenever you're listening yeah that's a good point i never actually do we say good morning usually we might i don't really know i don't pay attention I don't, yeah i'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> I don't so know. jenny's with us today we're going to talk about uh, a different type of recovery program called recovery dharma um and we have a billion and six questions about that because it seems really interesting that it does not, you know, I, I was exposed to this whole 12 step model. You get a sponsor, you you do your service and bam, you're clean and that's how it works. And so I'm super curious to hear about some other thing that does not work exactly like the thing that worked for me. Uh, I want to know more about it before we jump into that. I do want to take a second. Um, a buddy of ours, Joe, over at the Brutally Sober podcast has nine months clean. And I just wanted to recognize and acknowledge that. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, and I also wanted to acknowledge, we. <laughs> I don't know how we forgot. I forgot to bring this up last week. I, don't, I say we, I forgot to bring it up. We have a new logo. I don't even know if you've noticed it, Billy. We have a new logo. I got a compliment about our new logo and I meant to tell you. Someone saw that. I said, you noticed the logo? He said, yeah, I noticed it right away. It came up on my thing. I was like, what is that? And I looked at it. He said, it's really cool. So I said, Jason would love it. He (laughs) got a compliment about the logo. That was something he's been working on. So that's so awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's cool. It's way better than, I mean, dude, we had like this standard, you know, create your own logo on anchor, which was just words with like a color behind it. It was awful. It drove me crazy. Uh, and it's taken us, you know, seven months to get something a little more official looking. And so, (laughs) I was super excited. We got it. And then I completely forgot to mention it last week. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, now we can make clothes. We, we got to make uh, only revealing clothes. They got to be like, you know, <laughs> selling sex and advertisements. That's the only way this works really is to give away like panties and bras with recovery sort of on it. And I really don't think that works either, but I don't know. At some point I want a hoodie, I think. Yeah. There you go. Um, so, uh, where we are at, we kind of put this out there to the world. Uh, we got a lot of feedback on Twitter. I, I was really, I was a little confused. There was like three or four different people that I don't know if they read my Twitter as if I was being a jerk. Uh, cause I basically just said, Hey, if you run into somebody who's in a different recovery program, what questions would you have for them? And there was like three or four people who were like, 
I wouldn't ask him anything. I wouldn't be arrogant to, you know, judge their, I'm like, I wasn't trying to be arrogant. I was curious. Right. But the weird thing was, even when I laid out afterwards, what I was really doing, none of them really responded or had any more to say about it. I was like, maybe I'm, I don't know. Maybe they just really don't want to ask about anybody's program. I have no idea, but we did get a lot of feedback. One of the more interesting comments uh, was from just some sober guy who also just celebrated some clean time, I think, if I remember correctly, like six years. Um, but he he said, don't ask questions, just let them tell their story and you'll learn what you need to learn. And so I think that is the place we'll start. We'll let Jenny just tell her story <laughs> of recovery dharma. Okay. Well, um, uh I guess I'll start by saying um, I am not um, like a spokesperson for recovery Dharma. I'll just tell my experience if that works for you guys. <clears throat> um, so in uh, 2016, I, I got sober in 2013 and I started with AA and then around 2016 and I, so, you know, I, I, you know, I did the 12 steps and I was very involved and it worked. Um, around 2016, I heard of refuge recovery and which was a Buddhist based recovery program. Um, now anytime in AA, anybody brought up any kind of like Buddhist wisdom, I, my ears always like pricked up like, Oh wow, that's really cool. And, and some of the spiritual books that I was reading, cause my sponsor and everybody in the rooms was like, you know, you got to get into spirituality. And I was definitely leaning towards Buddhism. Uh, refuge had been around longer, but I hadn't heard about it till about my fourth year of recovery. And so I um, checked them out, but they were too far away. It was in Wilmington, which from where I live is about an hour and 10. So I, I went to a couple of those meetings, but it was like right at rush hour. It was hard to get to. And I have a family, so I can't take that much time to take off. So um, I checked it out for about a month and then I stopped. Well, then an opportunity showed up, I guess not the next summer, almost a year later to start my own meeting uh, where I live. So I took it and I started as refuge. And we did that for about a year. And then um, things happened. Um, anybody who knows refuge kind of knows a little bit about what happened. And a new group uh, formed called Recovery Dharma. And that really resonated with me and us more. So we switched to Recovery Dharma. And um, the program is similar. I'll tell you about, I'll start, I'll tell you about how a meeting goes. Uh, you know, like AA, it's an hour, about an hour. Uh, there's a little opening. And then we start with a 10 to 15 minute meditation, usually guided, sometimes silent. Um, you can sit how you like in a chair on the floor. I mean, one person laid down, you totally can. Um, you don't have to be a perfect meditator. We're all learning. And usually the meditations are of two varieties, uh, either like an awareness meditation guided or a heart practice guided. And we can talk more about that if you have questions. Um, so after the meditation, we, we uh, come back to the room, you know, mentally. Um, and then we do a little reading from the book. Usually we just go in order in the book, you know, just chapter by chapter. And it prompts a discussion. Uh, we discuss kind of round robin. And then lately we've also been ending with a five minute meditation by uh, someone, someone um, 
<clears throat> outside of Recovery Dharma, but who also jives with the program. And then, and then we end and we all see you later. But then um, it's not just the meeting, I guess the practice of reco Recovery Dharma too is when you go home, you're kind of expected to meditate at home, kind of like AA, you know, you're expected to keep up with readings and practices at home. Same with Recovery Dharma. <clears throat> um, also, I should say the book, it's not just Buddhism, it's recovery, Buddhist-based recovery. And um, so that's the practice. And uh, I mean, in addition to meditation at home, <clears throat> You can uh, check out Dharma talks online, other readings. Uh, it's encouraged to do yoga, get involved in your community. And uh, how am I doing? Got any questions? Uh, yeah, so I, <laughs> I heard okay. nothing about step work. And so I think you need oh, to sign okay, me up. Okay. Yeah, perfect. yeah, okay. <laughs> I want to do well, no step work. It sounds great. Well, um, we don't have step work per se, but... So in Buddhism, we have the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. And the book chapters are divided up like that. You start with the Four Noble Truths. Well, first you start with how the program works. Then you go over the Four Noble Truths, and then you go over the Eightfold Path. And after, at the end of each chapter are some question prompts. So inquiries, they call them inquiries. Now these inquiries, you can work with a mentor, you can work in a group, but it is expected as you're working the program to consider these inquiries about yourself, about your addiction, about how you relate to the world. Also, recovery dharma isn't just drugs and alcohol. It's um, like uh, process addictions, like eating, gambling, sex, um, relations, anything you could be addicted to. Um, so this program is designed for the whole spectrum of addiction. So the, the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path Four and eight is 12. What's up with the 12 number in recovery? I don't get it. I don't understand. Yeah, that's a coincidence, I think. <laughs> so for anybody who's unaware, uh, Refuge Recovery uh, had, and this is, you know, maybe I know Jenny doesn't want to talk about this too much in the sense of any judgmental type talk, but she might be able to correct some of my facts. This was like me reading a quick blurb the other day to learn more about it. Uh, the gentleman who kind of started it wrote the refuge recovery literature, but then donated his book to the program uh, in order for the program to work without like to be a fellowship, a free fellowship um, to where I understand it wasn't a paid program. He was also the gentleman who wrote the book was also involved in some other endeavors that were paid uh, endeavors. And in those other endeavors, he, you know, did some possibly unethical things with uh, students or, 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 you know, people of the opposite sex, uh, you know, some, some Bill Clinton type stuff, I think. Um, and then, you know, they just decided that people decided they didn't want to be associated with that. And so there was a lawsuit, a court thing, the programs kind of split. So there still is refuge recovery. Uh, he has nothing to do with it. He completely donated all the material that was his so that he doesn't make any money off of it. And they're free of him and he's not on the board anymore. And then there's recovery Dharma, who, which is very similar, but just not associated with him at all. Is that sound hmm. sort of ish? A pretty right? good synopsis. Yeah. Okay. And, cool. uh, Honestly, I haven't kept up with the Noah Levine news lately. Uh, so, yeah, maybe he did donate the book. I'm not sure. 
the new group, Recovery Dharma, um, it was formed from the former Board of Refuge Recovery. And the book is a little, um, it's less personal, like where Noah Levine, his book I think is, mm, it's very him and it's mm. great, you know? And then so Recovery Dharma book, it's um, a little thinner and uh, I, I, it seems like broader. It's, it's um, <clears throat> what do they call it, uh, peer, peer led. So there's no leaders, no teachers recovery re recovery dharma peer-led no leaders no teachers whereas or it's any teacher you want i guess and then um as long as they're buddhist um and then no levine's it's it's him um i had just said i went to a i think it was still refuge recovery when i went but i had went to i think one of the first meetings in this area when they opened out at the rca facility out in uh chestertown or Irvo, where the heck that place is and uh, it was interesting. You know, I really liked it. I thought it was pretty neat. Um, I wasn't meditating as regularly then as I am now. So it was, you know, a little uncomfortable just because I'm not used to going to a meeting where you sit there for the first 20 minutes and nobody says anything. Um, but it was interesting. You know, it was really neat. I went to a, an online NA meeting in Germany. I think it was Germany a couple of weeks back and it was a meditation meeting and we meditated. So basically I sat there for 20 minutes and stared at the people on the screen who all cut oh. their cameras out while they meditated. And I was like, if I turn my camera off, I'm not going to meditate. I'm going to like <laughs> type something in a different tab or do a Google search. Like I'm not going to do this. <laughs> so I left my camera on and meditated. Um, so I, I want to, I got to say one of the things I find completely mind blowing um, coming from Baltimore city we have a variety of all kinds of different programs and, and there's things everywhere. You can find a debtors anonymous or a sex addicts anonymous or a Al-Anon or a AC, like all these things are plentiful. Right. And so I came up here and looked for some of these when I first moved up here and, and maybe it's changed. I don't think I've only been here a year and a half, but there was like nothing. I was like, look, you can go to NA or AA. It's <laughs> <was> like, wow, <laughs> thanks. Uh, so I, what I find interesting is I had never been exposed to refuge recovery or recovery Dharma when I lived in Baltimore. And so to come up here to see like, not as much, not as many different types of groups. And then to find one that I've never heard of was like, Whoa, Hey, how, what, how'd that happen? And so when Jenny said there's only five members there, I was like, yeah, but you have a meeting. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's still good. Yeah. Well, um, and part of the reason we went to recovery, <clears throat> excuse me, recovery Dharma was because um, we have support. Uh, so we say Sangha community is Sangha. There's a big Sangha down in Baltimore city that used to be refuge that is now recovery Dharma. Huh. So, and then, so they're close by and I'm friends with someone there and, and we're supportive. If I ever have a question or something, I, I buzz him and he's great. Um, I have a lot of like social media friends around the area you know, that I've met through recovery Dharma. And then the other big group is Lancaster. So, um, and their recovery Dharma. So that's another reason why we chose recovery Dharma, but yeah, Baltimore city has it is what my point in response to your question. Yeah. I wonder if like, uh, you know, NA and AA just because they've been around so long and they're very established and they're very status quo. People know about them. They're like, Hey, go there. Like I, 
I I guess it's very well could have been that they are down in Baltimore and I just never heard of them. And I'm just curious, like, how they get the word out. How do you spread the word? Is it attraction rather than promotion in Recovery Dharma? Yeah, we're definitely attraction rather than promotion. And for us, what what we did was we got uh, so there's an online meeting list. So if you go to their website, you can find a local meeting. And then locally, we advertise through voices, word of mouth, um, you know, because many of us, not all, many of us still go to like AA or NA too. So we just were like, oh, hey, I noticed you were interested in Buddhism. You want to check out this Buddhist meeting with me? You know, Um, but we made up business cards and put them in coffee shops, library, um, handed them out. uh, We took them to Westminster House in Newark um, just to like, you know, get the word out. And then basically if if you're interested in buddhism you know you kind of know each other in the meetings like oh yeah you quoted like Thich Nhat han you want to check this out you know um so that's how we advertise but now it's different um oh you don't want to talk about coronavirus but <laughs> i don't know how we'll advertise if we can't go in stores so because we kind of we have a new meeting schedule now like the earlville one closed till further notice and we opened up the outdoor meeting in elkton because that's more central to the county and we want to help as many people as possible. And we know, like from what Billy said, people are like, where Earlville, where, <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's 10 minutes from me, which was awesome. But my real point is I want to help more people. So we chose Elkton to have, if we're going to start one outdoor meeting, we chose Elkton. So. Okay. So I, you, you mentioned something that I want to get into later, but I think I want to save it for later. Cause it's the juicy pits of this conversation. Uh, not juicy oh. as in like hard to do, but juicier as in more of what I'm, I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's stick with some of the, <laughs> the specifics. So what does recovery Dharma say that addiction is? Oh, okay. It's, um, it's a process of craving. So um, you're trying to avoid, uh, you're trying to hang on to pleasure and avoid pain. So it's the repetitive behavior. Um, and that's a very Buddhist thing. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, so if anybody who has not heard of Buddhism, that is an entirely Buddhist concept. Not that I'm any Buddhist expert, but I, I've, you know. And I'm not either. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll be like, when when this is released, this uh, podcast, I, I'm like worried people are going to be on there. Like, she doesn't know anything, but I'm, this is my experience, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so help me learn. If, if I'm wrong, tell, tell me, you know. But <laughs> Yeah, feedback is always great. Help us all mm-hmm. learn, please. Um, yeah. So what would you say, uh, since that's the what addiction is, according to Recovery Dharma, what is their method for treating that? How do they uh, try to stop people from, you know, chasing pleasure to not live in pain? So you, you need to get to know your mind by using meditation and practicing and studying the Eightfold Path and Four Noble Truth. So using meditation, um, you just kind of train your brain. You know, you start, you cultivate your heart with the heart practices. So compassion, joy, forgiveness, uh, equanimity. And then you train your mind with awareness. Like, um, you know, you start with awareness of breath, awareness of sound, awareness of body. Um, and then awareness of thoughts and thought processes. And as you uh, watch your mind and watch your tendencies, <clears throat> you uh, you become uh, you just you you stop being addicted. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. 
That's all right. That's funny. Okay. Um, what what would be the qualifications for membership? Oh, all are welcome. Um, all are welcome. Yeah, all are welcome. It's probably better if you're not drinking and doing drugs. Uh, but, you know, complete abstinence is preferred. Um, but like, you know, in the case of food, obviously you can't quit food. Um, but you should work on a plan, probably with a professional or a mentor to have a proper eating um, schedule program. Um, but yeah, you can't really meditate when you're on drugs. Hmm. Interesting. So. Interesting observation. It's yeah. just, so I was looking at like a lot of these questions come from, um, and, and they're kind of one-sided cause I'm a NA guy, uh, but they're kind of one-sided in the sense that like, I hear these cliches of like, Hey, the only requirement for membership is the desire to stop using. Right. And I'm like, huh, I wonder what mm. the requirement for membership somewhere else is. <laughs> like they're, they're mostly born out of just sayings that I've heard in, in my particular, uh, you know, mode of recovery. But I, I think it's interesting that like, like we would totally, and, and this isn't a, a knock in any way, but we would say, Hey, yeah, if you're, you know, if you're high, come to the meeting, maybe just sitting there, it'll rub off on you or something like we, you know, who knows? Yeah, but. We, we'd probably be like that too. I don't see anybody who's like still drinking or using drugs, like wanting to hang out for an hour with a bunch of meditators. You know, if, <laughs> if they're still like, you know, like, I mean, if they're coming, then they're probably interested and they're probably going to get into it or they're going to go do something else. <laughs> I've honestly never understood people who came to meetings high at all, because if I was high, that's the last place I want to be like, what right? the hell? weirdos <laughs> just, just just sign my paper so i can go off you know <laughs> well there it is do you sign yeah. court slips that was coming up nobody's nobody's asked me to would you yeah i is, i think so i didn't know if there was like a program stance so uh going off of that statement is like our meetings are you know autonomous except where they affect other meetings are your meetings allowed to make your own rules or is there like a governing body uh, at the top well, I guess um, there is, it's kind of a governing body, but more like a guiding body. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. You know, we, we host our meeting according to the book, kind of loosely. We kind of dropped the opening because we've heard it so many times. We just kind of get into it. Um, unless there's a new person and we'll, we'll, we'll do that for them. Um, we send some money to the website, you know, to keep the home base going. But we don't send a lot because we don't have a lot. But... Um, haven't really thought deeply about that one. That's interesting. So I yeah. going to some of the other groups in Baltimore, they have a specific routine that they do each week, but then they also, if there is a new member who's never been before, they have like this other paper they pull out yeah. uh, from under the stack and they're like, Oh, well we read this one. There's a new member. And it's just, so if you've only ever been to, to an NA or an AA meeting and you're very used to that mode of recovery, like there's generally almost always somebody new there, at least at bigger meetings. Uh, and so you would never have that kind of option. So I, I guess going to some of these other fellowships, you get exposed to new concepts and ideas like, hey, we don't even bother reading that unless somebody new comes. Like, <laughs> it's a very unheard of thing at a larger meeting. Yeah, I, and we're so small. We do have that f freedom to um, kind of like fudge, fudge the format a little bit like, ah, yeah, we know the routine. Um, but so what? Uh, what does your program promise? Is there a promise of, of what you'll gain if you attend and work your program? Or are there any, you know, this is what you'll get out of this if you come and do this? Um, 
less suffering. Less suffering. Less suffering. Yeah, it's kind of a very Buddhist thing, like less suffering. Um, you can get sober with this. You you can totally get sober, stay sober, have a happier, um, less stressful life, um, a more fulfilling life. Um, I'm not sure if this is in the material or just this is just Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So, okay, one of the things you kind of alluded to earlier, uh, you know, that you started in AA, um, and, and you mentioned that quite a few of the people are still in another fellowship um, along with Recovery Dharma. And so to me, it's almost like from that standpoint, it's like, oh, Recovery Dharma is a great, you know, complementary fellowship or, or supplementary or whatever you would like to call it. But I and, and I know in our conversations, we've kind of I think I might have asked you this at one point and, and you say that Recovery Dharma could completely be a standalone recovery space base i'm just so why do people go to other places still i think it can totally be a standalone i think what we're lacking though is population i think Mm. we just are not big enough and so we we many of us came from aa or na and we still have friends there that we want to see so it's just our recovery friends and um so some people have come to cecil county recovery dharma and this is just all they do and um, like I, I still keep in touch with a lot of my AA friends, but I, even before quarantine, I was only going to like one AA meeting, like every month or two and just kind of like, Oh, I have some free time. I'll go have some coffee with my friends. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I just think what we're missing here in Cecil County is, um, the lack, we just don't have enough members, uh, and people need more. And I think that might, I think some people have checked us out, but they're like, Oh, you're small. I want, I need a bigger community. And so they don't come back because they have, they want to spend their time in a bigger group. And, um, and because we are attraction rather promotion, it's like, Hey man, you either want to get enlightened or you don't, you know, like we're not going to (laughs) go out there starting a war to get people to join us. Um, I think, you know, we'll, we'll grow slowly. If just, if you want Buddhism, we're here. And I have a lot of friends on, excuse me, social media, so I do feel like I'm part of a bigger community. So that's me though. Like, um, you know, I like Instagram, I like Facebook and I like, I can keep in touch that way and feel connected to a bigger community than just what I have here in Cecil County. This episode has been brought to you by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in Maryland. Voices of Hope is made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, Members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause. So, Billy, are you? Uh, how are you feeling over there? Are you ready to interject? I got like a shit ton of questions. I'm. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty good going along. I don't have a lot to say. I want to make snarky comments, but I'm not going to do that. So, really, not in a bad way, but yeah, <laughs> I like snarky comments sometimes. <laughs> well, I thought if we have three people talking, it's going to be weird. So it's, I'm trying. It's to, a little tough. Yeah, already trying not to talk over each other's hard enough, let alone a <laughs> third person. Hi. Hey, she's back. Hey. Awesome. Sorry. <laughs> Stupid so I live in the country. Yeah, I live in the country. We don't have the most reliable internet. I don't know if it's that's what we're. T- 
what what's happening is related to that. So yeah, I'm not sure either. I I haven't run into too much of that, but who knows? I mean, it is what it is. You know, this is what you get when you record remotely. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to talk Jason into going and meeting back at the place. I don't think he's ready yet. I'm ready to go meet in person and do the podcast in person. <laughs> so. So I hope you can edit all this stuff out. Sorry. Ooh, some of it, maybe. Some of it might be editing for entertainment. <laughs> that sounds like work. <laughs> um, okay, so here's a here's a question. What signs uh, in someone's life would tell them in recovery dharma that they are in the recovery process? And what signs would tell them that they might want to, like, check yourself before you wreck yourself kind of stuff? Hmm. Like, what, what signs of those type of things going on in my in my own life you know and i can see it with friends i try not to judge other people's experiences too much unless they ask me but uh you know when you start to see friction you know it's like take a moment to slow down and let's take a look at this you know um and uh you know if you find yourself getting snappy with your relationships or uh just frustrated angry uh you know you're you're judging and um it's not going well like let's take a moment and let's look inside what's going on you know like i know in like an aa there was like are you hungry angry lonely or tired i think this program gives you more tools to look at more details inside like um because you're kind of always always working on something you know you're working on um you know the right amount of effort you know you're putting towards your program or the you know or are you doing, is this the right kind of work you want to do in the world? Or <clears throat> like right now I'm kind of on a speech thing. I'm, you know, I got to watch my speech, you know, and make sure I'm not gossiping. It's, and it's not like a linear path, the eightfold path you, you work on, you know, all things as they come, you know, you don't have to work on them all at once. You'll just burn out, but you, you kind of pick a topic and, you know, you're like, huh, how am I doing there? And you work on it and the book will help guide you with questions and stuff. In typical 12-step recovery, we have uh, or, yeah, a sponsor or someone to like guide you through the step process. Is there something similar in recovery dharma or is it more self-guided or self-self? Uh, yeah, there, we do have mentors. Um, I can tell you here in Seas County, again, we're small. So we're just and and uh, most of us are there have already done step four or five. And uh, so we're not like as urgent you know, we're not as urgent, but we can still, you know, people do those things over again. So that's kind of how I'm doing it. As we go along in the book, I'm doing a personal journey. And if I feel the need, I have wise friends I can bounce stuff off of. I don't have a mentor in Recovery Dharma, though the Recovery Dharma program does encourage mentors. Um, but we just don't have the population here. And if I bump into something, um, I have lots of uh, recovery friends that I can be like, Oh, this is like, this is a problem for me. Can you help me walk me through this? I'll go to like my old sponsor or just friends, peers, people. Um, cause I have spiritual friends who aren't even in recovery and that I'll even just talk to them. You know, like they're just, they have like spiritual principles that I'll depends on what the topic is, you know, that's sticking with me. So I, you know, and in, in, in my program, I keep saying the, those letters. I'm going to try not to for a little while. I'm going to try to work on my speech while we're on this, Jenny. <laughs> uh, so I have always heard, you know, you get one sponsor because if you have more than one sponsor, there could be conflict and disagreements <laughs> and this, that, and the other. And, and But I have worked the steps out of a book 
that's not really a part of any fellowship. It's just about 12 steps in general. And it mentioned having like three or four guides uh, and not one specifically. And so I just thought that was interesting that like it's when you leave, uh, when you've only had exposure to one program and you hear one thing all your life and then you kind of go out and explore the world and you see that there's all these other varying opinions of like, oh, no, sure, have five mentors. It's a great idea. And it's like, really? <laughs> But it, I have yet to see the drawbacks of any of these other paths. <laughs> yeah. And we're, you know, Buddhism and recovery Dharma in general, it's all about finding your own truth. It's about mm. slowing down and listening to yourself and finding out what works for you. So, so you mentioned that you got the community uh, of, you know, another fellowship, maybe one of the larger ones. And, and you found that very useful. You still meet up with them once every month or two months or so just for coffee and you enjoy them. What else did you get out of, uh, you say you went to AA, what else did you get out of AA that if you'd have just gone to recovery Dharma, you feel like you might've missed out on if you didn't go to AA first? What did I get out of AA? Yeah. Um, was there anything that like you got there and you're glad you went there first and got that because you feel like you might've missed it? Yeah. Well, um, like I mentioned earlier, the side, there's a lot more meetings, a lot more people, a lot more time. Um, and uh, they do have a lot. Yeah, a lot more because of the amount of people in AA, they have a lot more like social and community activities. And, mm. and that that was really great. I, I have no regrets about starting in AA. You know, it, it totally worked for me. It's probably what I needed because I it's fun, like so, um, you know, part of my addiction I was mostly alcohol, alcoholic. Um, you know, like part of that too was I never thought I was good enough for Buddhism. I know that sounds weird, but you know, all the mental stuff that goes on with addiction. So even though I had interest in Buddhism back in my drinking days, I just never thought I was good enough. So I know that sounds weird, but I probably wouldn't have gone to that program so well because I wouldn't have done as well in that program because I had such low self-esteem. It's, hmm. it's, I just didn't, um, I needed, I think AA helped me get where I was going. Like if I went into a five person meeting of Buddhists, I don't know if it would have worked as well or as fast worked as well or as fast, but. Gotcha. Are there, yeah. uh, and this is kind of a two part question. Are there specific rules to follow in order to be clean or free of whatever, addictive path that people might struggle with and is there any celebration of that sort of freedom from active using time well like you know they they want you to stop it's encouraged to stop using drugs or alcohol or whatever you're addicted to um but we don't do coins or tags um though we we're happy <laughs> right well <laughs> If people come in and say, oh, today's my one year, we're like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just curious because, like, you know, uh, a lot of our other programs, we have a bottom line of, like, this is what it looks like to be clean or, or sober or, um, you know, abstinent. Well, yeah, like, no, AA, AA, you don't drink. Like, oh, okay. That's your, All right. your definition of clean or sobriety. Okay. Uh, okay. And so I was just curious, like, you know, I know you said this is all inclusive. And so for things like sex addiction or Internet addiction or, you know, um, I guess food addiction, obviously, you, you don't really have a complete just stop using it 
as your your mm-hmm. definition. People in other fellowships, people almost have to come up with their own definitions of what it is to to not use those substances or or things in their life and to be free of the addictive portion of it. And so I just didn't know if you guys like laid that out for people or if they had to come up with their own idea of mm-hmm. what it looked like to be free from it or I guess they have to come up with their own idea. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so much harder when it's not a, a, a substance, I think. I think we almost have it easy sometimes <laughs> yeah. when it is a substance. Yeah, because yeah. if it's like a, yeah, I mean, if it's like a people addiction, you know, like you can't just not see, you know, like you can't just cut off all relationships. It's it's really up to you. So in right. that sense, it's kind of self-guided. Does your program say anything about dating in your program? Specifically, does it say anything about dating in the first year? <laughs> Uh, i don't think that's in the book i I don't remember it no it's not in our book either but everybody will tell you that it is Mm -hmm. in rehab they were like in your first year like you know don't no breakups no new relationships uh don't move if you don't have to and don't have a baby and uh i got pregnant in my first year of recovery (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh no don't kick me out Is there any sort of end or graduation to your program or is it a lifelong program? Lifelong. Lifelong. Okay. Um, So one of the questions we had that someone asked, uh, Jem asked, what is your new passion? What's replaced your using time and attention and where is your focus now? And I think that's all kind of one question in three different varieties. What is my, um, I guess, uh, family, community, uh, you know, Buddhism, you know, I like, I enjoy studying that. Um, you know, me. <laughs> right now. Awesome. Yeah. Do Getting you, into me. <laughs> oh yeah. Do you think it's, it's recovery Dharma and your work in there has guided you to those passions and focus? Like, is that what you've learned through recovery Dharma is, Oh shit. I really want to mess with my family and myself and spend time on my Buddhism practice. And is that what that's was- kind of? I think it was always there. I think it helped. Re- I think it helped open me up mm. to show me like, this is my real passion. Cause you know, when I think about little 10 year old Jenny, I wanted a family, but then somehow I got lost and I started drinking around 13 and I started um, my people pleasing really kicked in. And I, um, you know, I, I became this person. I really wasn't. And then doing this, I, I knew I always wanted a family and that theme was always there even when I was drinking and then finally, um, getting sober helped me pull back the layers of bullshit and like, oh, yeah, Jenny, just s- slow down. Just have that family. Nobody's stopping you. Just, just do it. Yeah. That's awesome. So Thank you. I think, I think, and somebody's going to correct me because y'all probably know better than me. Celebrate Recovery is like the Christian version of the 12 steps, right? Like they still do the 12 steps, but they do Christianity. Is that what? Yes. What Okay, good. Thank you. I'm glad somebody knows. Uh, So if that's like the Christian version, I know Buddhism, the 12 steps obviously don't work specifically well for that. And that's why you probably don't use them in the Buddhist version of, you know, a recovery program. But would you say that that's a similar type thing to a Christian program, but for Buddhists? Like, is that kind of how that works? Uh, So Buddhism is a religion for some people, but for others, it's more like a philosophy. Mm. Buddhism's like, I think of it as the oldest psychology 
you know, like I think the Buddha was the earliest psychologist. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I think of it more as like psychology, like a secular thing. Now for mm -hmm. Buddhism, Buddhism is a religion for some people. And, uh, but when I, you know, when I go into recovery Dharma, I treat it as a secular kind of thing. And I think of it like psychology. So. That's a really interesting way to put that. Go ahead, Bill. So could you give us just a, maybe a brief description or overview of the four noble, noble truths and the eightfold path? I think that's kind of the direction yeah. that would, I guess, replace yeah. the steps. So, yeah, if you could give yeah, kind so of a brief. The four noble truths, um, I, I have to pull it out for the eightfold path because I always forget one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the first noble truth is in life there is suffering. Um, the second noble truth is uh, suffering is caused by uh, craving or um, uh, seeking pleasure, avoiding pain. The third noble truth is there is a way out, away from, there is a way to avoid suffering. And then the fourth is it's the eightfold path, which leads me into the eightfold path, which I'm just going to read because I always forget. So wise understanding, wise intention, wise speech, wise action, wise livelihood, wise effort, wise mindfulness, and wise concentration. I like it. I like it. And so when you, and this kind of ties into what you had just said, you know, that it's not really so much a religion in the sense of the way you use it. So is there a specific, I don't know how to ask this exactly right to be in line with Buddhism, but is there a specific type of higher power or, or uh, religious belief along with this, or is it more on the secular side of it? Um, the way I think of it is the higher power is like the little Buddha in you, <laughs> you know, like you have the power to free yourself from addiction and you have to believe in that. You have to believe in your ability to be free. I said, it sounds like it doesn't, there isn't like this sense of powerlessness that we sort of, I don't say teach or express in like in typical 12 step recovery, you have to admit your powerlessness and that you need a power greater than yourself or outside of yourself. Whereas it sounds like you're saying you need to find that power within yourself. So I agree with you. And again, I'm a little self-conscious cause I don't know if I'm doing this right, but that's, <laughs> I would agree. And that is part of my attraction to this program. I was, I was getting a little tired of being told that I was always wrong, you know, in AA like, yeah, you don't, that's your alcoholic mind. You don't know, you know, and it's like, well, part of, part of me's right. Right. You know? <laughs> so, um, it is, it is, um, yeah, it, it says like, you know, you are good inside. Let's find that. Let's mm. find that. A lot of, um, I haven't mentioned this part yet, but a lot of Buddhism too is, is the kindness. Every step of this is, mm. um, be kind to yourself, be kind to others, you know, be gentle with, you know, a big theme of, um, you know, you did what you did because that's what you had to do to get by. You are not that person, you know, and um, I really appreciate that. You know, I, I need I need to be, you know, uh, treated gently. And uh, sometimes that was a little tough in, you know, AA, like that kind of rugged, like, just don't drink and get on with your life, you know. And, <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking about this, you know, like, I, I never understood this, like, you want to drink here? Here's twenty dollars. You just go drink. Like, what the <laughs> heck is that? You know, do they do that in NA? Like, 
I'm like, sort what is it, that like? <laughs> it's dying out, but yeah, it used to be sit there and shut up and, you know. Yeah. And, cotton um, out of your ears and stick it in your mouth and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a little rough and like, <laughs> um, I, I like the kindness feature. It's just a little gentler, like, yeah, you know what, you're, you're messed up, but you're going to be okay and we're going to help you. You know, I'm not saying everybody in AA is, you know, rough and gruff, um, but the whole philosophy in Buddhism and recovery Dharma is, is kindness, you know, almost first and foremost, you know, just be gentle with yourself and others and we'll get through this. It was so rough. I had to start saying that I would take the cotton candy out of my ears and put it in my mouth. It seemed a little softer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Your cotton candy, uh, delicious. <laughs> so unknown asked, uh, if you had to condense your program into one word, what would it be? One word. Um, can it be hyphenated? Sure. <laughs> 38 um, hyphen. Sure. Um, <laughs> a Buddhist meditation, probably. I dig it. That was a, that was a fun question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's, he's an interesting character. Uh, <laughs> that Tim, unknown. Yeah, that, he's unknown, obviously. Uh, Tim said he wanted to know about support, network, self-improvement and growth, awareness, and how are all of those done? Uh what do you get? Oh, here's here's a good part of this. What do you get that you weren't getting in AA or that you like better for you? The Buddhist program, Recovery Dharma, I think it offers me more specific guidance um, for a total package. So also part of my addiction, I'm ACOA too. And um, you were talking about there's like a very few meetings around here. There's like, when I was looking for an ACA meeting, uh, one, there was right? one. Yeah. yeah, there was one. And it was at an odd time, and I ended up going to a therapist to work on my ACA stuff, and uh, and that worked. Um, I think Recovery Dharma has it's a the package is more all encompassing, so it's not just my addiction to alcohol, but it also my other features like my ACOA stuff, and you know sometimes I have food issues, and I definitely have um, kind of like a I don't, I don't even know how to define it yet, but I definitely have weird relationships with people. So I don't want to say people addiction, but so I think recovery Dharma helps address all of that, not just not drinking. They say, do you have a sharing session during the meetings? Yeah. So that's interesting. Cause I kind of wanted to ask about like cross talking too. And she said, it, I think she mentioned there was a little bit of a share somewhere in there. Kidding. Yeah, we do have sharing sessions. Uh, so after that, we do meditation and then we do a little reading and then we have discussion and that's a chance for people to share. I prefer no cross-talking. And when we started up this new outdoor meeting, I kind of reestablished that rule. <laughs> that would be better if we don't cross-talk. <clears throat> and so exploits of a nobody uh, asked, was there... AA or NA wasn't working for you? Were you working the program, like the 12 steps? And what is it about this that speaks to your purpose? So I was doing AA and um, it just, it wasn't, AA wasn't as fulfilling. I just, uh, and I was trying different meetings to see if I could find something. And I guess Buddhism fills that spiritual, spirituality that I was craving. And, you know, AA's, 
um, at least around here is more Christian. I don't know if that's a rule, but it sure, you know, practice is more Christian. And then there's the, there's the atheists. And I, I guess I'm, I would consider myself agnostic. I'm not sure what I'm, I'm still looking, but Buddhism fulfills the spiritual part of my recovery and my life. Interesting. Uh, so I'm, question? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. So New Outlook Detox asked if the emphasis of the program was on accountability and if that was to another person and how does it address the issues that had, you know, someone using to begin with? As far as accountability, um, I guess we'll go back to the kindness thing. Like, you know, we don't report to each other, uh, you know, how it's going. It's kind of on you. Yeah, is the sound quality okay? Uh, not quite as good, but better than than no sound. <laughs> yeah, better than not being able to hear. <laughs> How we, how's it going? It's going great. <laughs> what did I miss? <laughs> we'll, we'll start from the top. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's start, we'll just start over. Uh, so we were uh. We were at asking if the if there was an emphasis on accountability in your program, and you were mentioning no, no, no. Wow, does she really lose it through the phone too? Huh? I think so. Oh, okay. Now, uh, now I'm back. Hello. What happened? No? Okay. Oh yeah, no. Huh. I don't know what happened, but <laughs> <laughs> so you were asking. Oh yeah, if, if there was any kind of emphasis on accountability, and I think you started to answer that a little bit, or okay, um, no, I don't even know if I understand the question. So you want people like report in whether they've done drugs or not, or well, I think part of what what kind of works in the other programs, not so much accountability of like whether they stayed not using. Oh no, <laughs> maybe she should call so- in. Phone, phone, connect. All right. So what kind of works? So accountability, you're explaining that part? Hello? That's so weird. We can Hello? hear her. Yes. Can oh, you hear us? This is so old fashioned. Uh, All right. No. Yeah, I, I can hear you. <laughs> this is hilarious. Uh, so no, not, I think. To get back to the question a little bit, I don't think it's so much like reporting in on whether I got high or not this week. I, I think of accountability more like uh, like when I got my first service commitment at my first home group, it was like, hey, you're the coffee maker. And I, I just felt like, hey, I should probably show up and make this coffee. It's my job. And then like in having a home group, I, I sort of, if I don't show up, people are probably going to call me and say, hey, uh, you ain't been here for two weeks. Just that kind of accountability, not really accountability in the sense of like reporting in on your status. Do you have anything similar to that? We, yeah. We try to take turns running the meeting. Some people are more self-conscious about reading a meditation than others. So we started playing meditations uh, from the phone. Uh, so Insight Timer has all the recovery Dharma meditations. So we just kind of, we try to take turns leading the meeting and um, we have different contacts who would um, be like the point person for the location of the meeting, just kind of unofficial, but 
we don't we don't do coffee. I mean, some meetings do. Uh, maybe it's just because we're so small. And uh, but you know, we haven't had much need to do um, coffee or clean up or much because we're just so small. I would think with with uh, trying to meditate, you might want to do decaf tea, not coffee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing too. Is, yeah, you don't want to get jacked yeah. up so sit still. Exactly. Right, uh, you know, six shots of espresso right before your meditation. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you There's might not learn a lot something. Of those, like energy drinks in recovery dharma meetings that I see. <laughs> oh man, that's got to be wild. Uh, so Dave asked, "How do you deal with anger, fear, or sadness?" And I, oh. I almost so interestingly enough, what he mentioned was one at uh, a time, or <laughs> well, I, I think so. When I read his question, I was kind of like, "Man, that's sort of what our third step in in my program talks about." Like, we don't have to fight these feelings anymore; we can allow them to exist. And I almost felt like you sort of touched on it earlier that like that seems to kind of be the Buddhist path is the whole third step concept of like, we don't have to fight our feelings. We can allow our feelings to be and just be there with them. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if you had any more input into that with how you guys deal with anger and fear and sadness. Yeah. I mean, feelings come and feelings go, um, you know, let them happen and, and watch for a pattern, you know, um, you know, are you getting angry at a certain time of day or with certain people, certain places, you know, watch for the pattern and try to tweak your life in a better direction. Gotcha. Billy, did you have any questions? I think I've almost run through everything I got. over. Uh, here. My only question was more, I guess it would say like a kind of personal question for Jenny. So like growing up, were you religious growing up or were you raised in a house that had any sort of religion? And then how did you come into like Buddhism and figuring out that that was something you were interested in? Uh, I was raised Lutheran and I did Sunday school up until about 13, 14 years old, right about the time when I started drinking. Coincidence? (laughs) I don't know. Um, But uh, yeah, we used to go to church every Sunday and then around 13 or 14, uh, that's when my parents got divorced, everything spiraled out of control. And then I did start drinking and doing drugs. Um, Buddhism, uh, it's funny. I just found an old coloring book. My mom brought me some old stuff. And I was drawing pictures of Japan when I was like seven or eight. So I think uh, Asian culture interested me way back then. And um, so I first picked up a Dalai Lama book in college age. It was The Art of Happiness. And I was reading it. I'm like, yeah, this is great. I really like this. I'm really, yeah, I like this. And then they got to the part where like no intoxicants. I'm like, oh, wait, not for me. (laughs) So I like I actually literally put it down, but I still had the book. And then when I found recovery and they said, you got to find a spiritual side, I was like, you know, that book in college, that Art of Happiness book, I'm going to pick that up again. And I read the whole thing, even the no intoxicants part. I was down with that. Um, and then I just kind of took off from there. Then, So um, the, the Lutheran, I think, was good because it was like a program in the sense I'm good with programs, you know, I was a good girl scout. I was good in church, you know, <laughs> give me a routine and I can, I can do it. You know, homeschooling now, like just give me a program. I can do it. Um, so, um, but I remember even in Lutheran, I was like, I don't know. Like I had a lot of questions about God. Like, I don't know. And I, I seriously, I still don't know. Like I, and that's what I'm doing. I'm kind of ex- still exploring what is my mm-hmm. concept of God, if any, and uh, Buddha is a good companion for that for me. <laughs> I, I don't know if this ties into that or not, but I was curious if, uh, 
if your program maybe has a type of person it would work best for, right? Or is there types of people that maybe wouldn't probably be so successful in your fellowship and maybe should go to a, a different place first or, or, or altogether because they just probably wouldn't align well with, like, I didn't know if there was, if it was a better fit for some people than others. And if there was some way to kind of gauge that before you walked into a, a meeting. Um, I, I don't know. Um, but I'm the kind of person who thinks we should all be meditating. So I think the whole, we'd all be better if we were all meditating. Um, I, I think people who are doing practicing recovery Dharma when they, I think it enhances their relationship with other recovery programs. I think when, when we uh, practice recovery Dharma, we can be better in AA. We can be better in NA. I think we, I think we could be better Christians if we're doing practicing Buddhist principles. Um, and we do have, um, you know, we have Christians in our recovery Dharma program, you know, they just, because it's more like a psychology to them than a religion. My question would be, um, so in typical, like I would say traditional, like 12 step fellowships, there seems to be like this abstinence based ideology behind either AA or NA or whatever. Um, if you had people that said, Hey, I think I have a drinking problem, but I would like to drink responsibly. Like, is that something recovery Dharma would help with that? Or is it really kind of more, um, I don't know, like a, like a more abstinence based approach to dealing with addictions. Hmm. I, I, renunciation is, really part of our program if somebody came in i don't know why they would come see us if they just had a little bit of a drinking like well no, i'm not so sure how that there, scenario would go yeah there are yeah. some programs out there now that would say that you could be say an alcoholic totally wreck your life but we can help you learn to manage and drink responsibly like you know there, there are programs that will help people learn to kind of get there maybe drinking or using under control. And I didn't know if recovery Dharma would be something that did that, or I, is it more really we, and, and that's an approach to any yeah. addiction, not necessarily drugs or alcohol. Obviously they can be fairly destructive, but you know, any addictions, is there like a, a management component there? Yeah. No, I don't, that? I haven't, I have no experience with that. And I don't know anybody who has, I don't think that's really our department. <laughs> oh man i want to throw you really under the bus now so somebody <laughs> comes into recovery dharma and they are on suboxone um and they've decided that that's the path for them right they're they're completely like their life is way better than it was mm-hmm. um do you treat that different than somebody who's on prozac like are they allowed to be on no. suboxone and work your program or is that not yeah Yes, I'm sorry. If my if the answer to my last question was in conflict to yours, I didn't mean for it to be. If somebody's managing their recovery with Suboxone, or if somebody's managing their mental health with uh, Prozac or whatever, I'm not going to tell them to stop. First of all, they don't even have to disclose that to me. That's not my business. Um, but if they're working with a medical professional that's prescribing that, that that's they they can do that. You know, they don't even have to tell me or anybody. That's their private thing. 
So So I feel like when people come to maybe NA or AA, they sort of need that identification of like, oh my God, I've done some of these awful things in my using time. And I need to know that some other people also did these awful things and can say me too. And life got better. Do you feel like recovery Dharma has space for that? Or because people are sharing about so many different things that they're recovering from that maybe people won't feel as inclined to share some of that deeper, dirtier stuff in a meeting? I, you know, I've only been to smaller meetings, so I'm not sure how a bigger meeting would go. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we've we had the whole, um, the whole gamut of shares. Some people share some really, you know, dark stuff and some people, you know, share the really service stuff. And I feel like we have connected with each other enough. I'm not sure how it would go with a bigger meeting. I, you know, I just have no experience. So you had mentioned some bigger communities, let's say in like Baltimore or uh, I know Wilmington, probably Wilmington, Delaware. Um, well, Wilmington only you... has one, but Lancaster actually has a pretty big meeting. Oh, okay. I just, I was curious if you had an opportunity to get to any of those uh, mm-hmm. areas just to see maybe a little bit of difference if you were at like a bigger meeting or well i haven't been to their um like their regular weekly meetings but lancaster has a spring and fall retreat and i've joined them then and that's how we became friends and now we're you know we're online and facebook group and um so that would be like the biggest recovery dharma meeting it was a it was a retreat i had gone to a couple of us went and it was nice to connect with them yeah cool so when you, I know you say you still go to AA, uh, this might be judgy from me, <laughs> like generally when we work the 12 steps, right? 11 says, pray and meditate. 12 says, Hey, carry this message to others. Right. And it doesn't tell you how, and it doesn't say you need to do that in AA. Right. If you go to AA or NA, there seems to be this sentiment of people were here to freely give you this stuff. And now for the rest of your life you kind of need to show up and give it back to them freely. And it's a pretty beautiful concept. I get it, right? I'm not saying I'm totally sold on that's the only way to do it. I think there's other places to freely give back and be just as useful in life. Hopefully, through the principles of the steps, we're being people who freely give back in a whole lot of different areas of our life. And so I'm not sold on the fact that I'm required to be a member of this 12 step program for the rest of my life, just because they saved my life. I do appreciate it. And so far I am still a member, not sold on the fact that I have to be, or that anyone else has to be right. I'm just curious how hard that decision was for you to say, Hey, I feel like maybe these people saved my life or gave me a life worth living. But now I think it's time for me to kind of stop participating in their fellowship or program. I really want to do this other one. I just think it's better for my life and I can give back there and not feel bad about it. Yeah, you, that, that was pretty much it. Good job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah, it was just, I had to do what was right for me. Uh, you know, I, I, it was getting to be a drag. I was coming home from a meetings, like not pumped up, like drained. I was like, Oh, you know, and I was like, I need to find something, because I have limited time. I have a family I need to, you know, be home for. I have limited time to spend outside of the house on my recovery. And I needed, you know, as, as uh, more, you know, as much of a uh, uh, powerful time as I could to, you know, so I, I needed to find a better, 
uh, system for me. And so, um, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I've abandoned AA. Um, I feel like, I feel like I change, you know, I'm changing still, who knows? I may get back into it. You know, like I might, you know, if once, you know, the kids are back at school and stuff, I might be dying to go to meetings during the day when they're in school. You know, it's, I, you know, I changed all the time. I didn't foresee me starting a Buddhist recovery meeting in Earlville when I first started this path. I don't foresee what I'll be doing another five years from now. Um, so, uh, for now, this is what's working for me and it's, it's working pretty great. I feel like almost to my detriment at times, I will hold on to this like stoic, dour, uh, British <laughs> sense of commitment, even when it's not serving me well. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have it. My mm-hmm. wife would tell you <laughs> in a lot of areas, but yeah, in recovery too. So I definitely well, applaud. He's a good quality. <laughs> it, it is, but I applaud your ability to do what, uh, you know, probably a couple of my therapists have told me makes more sense, which is do what's right <laughs> for your life instead of <laughs> what you feel you're supposed to be doing. Yes. Yeah, some well, this is something I talked about. Yeah, I talked about it with my sponsor. Like, I kind of want to do this. And she encouraged, this was an AA sponsor. She's like, you need to do, you know, what's best for your recovery. You know, she didn't want to see me go. And I, you know, technically I didn't go, but I just decreased a lot. Right. So, I still have tons of AA friends. In fact, right before quarantine, I was asked to speak at an AA meeting. I, so that Thursday before your interview, it was like that I was supposed to do, like we were supposed to meet that Sunday before quarantine. Mm. And that earlier week, I had the speaker. So I was all pumped up for the interview. I was like <laughs> ready to communicate to the world, you know? Um, so that was my last AA meeting. Um, so, I mean, I'm still, I, it was nice because I'm still like kind of a valued member. Like they still see me as part of their group. You know, even though I'm not there that much, it was nice to be invited to speak. How does that feel for you to to speak? Uh, are you, you're not really technically working the program right this moment, right? Or haven't for a while? Mm-hmm. So how I does mean, that feel? Do you feel, I don't know, I guess for me, I might feel a little imposterish uh, to some extent. Um, I didn't feel that way. I just, I just told him my experience. And, I, you know, I even told him I started the Recovery Dharma meeting. I mean, that was part of my story. And, right. uh, you know, I told him how AA, you know, AA saved me. And here's where I'm at today. That was a short version. <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you get through all 12 steps before you switched over? I sure did. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, have you, have his recovery Dharma had online meetings during this quarantine? Yes, they have. They have like hundreds. So that's why I didn't start one for our group because there was already so many out there. I was like, what more could we offer? And, um, but the, yeah, if you go to the website, there's tons still going on. Um, and actually I didn't, you know, I didn't go to any of them because I just got so busy managing the house and the kids and everything. I just did my own normal home, you know, meditation program that I do. And, um, so that's why I was really, I was kind of thirsty for a meeting, that in-person meeting. Mm. It was good to be with that, a group again. Oh, you know what? So my daughter, I mean, with my daughter's school, we had seven to 10 Zoom meetings a week. So by the end of that, I was like, I am not getting on another Zoom meeting to do a meditation. <laughs> but um, yeah, I kept in touch. I mean, I talked to recovery friends either, you know, over the phone or through social media every day. So I didn't feel like kind of loose or flapping in the wind. Um, I still felt pretty grounded and I joke about homeschooling being my new program, but 
that there is some seriousness to that. I just really dug into that and got us established so we could do well. Yeah, and I would just like to compliment you. I'm your friend on Facebook, so I follow some of the homeschooling things, and it's it really looks like you're having a lot of fun and doing great with it. So I commend you for that effort. It looks really fun. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we are having fun with it. You know, the school provides all the material. I'm like, all right, let's do this. You know, it's, thank you. We are having a good I've time. went the other way in quarantine. I've gotten like lazy and I kind of haven't been doing a lot for myself and <laughs> just not eating well. So I actually, this week was the first week I started like, all right, I got to get back in a better routine. This quarantine thing's kicking my ass. So <laughs> Jenny, well, you, Jenny look, no, you don't look bad. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> For anybody that doesn't know Jenny, Jenny is the Facebook friend that uh, you don't dislike. They're not doing it for applause, but they're doing such fun and great stuff with their family that it makes you feel a little bit <laughs> about yourself. You're like, God damn it. I can do better. <laughs> That's hilarious. You got any other uh, questions, Bill? I think I, I've exhausted all my questions about it for the most part. Just the last one is where do you guys meet and how can you find Recovery Dharma in Cecil County? Well, uh, we are meeting in Elkton on Thursday nights at 630 at the Voices of Hope Recovery Center, 409 West Pulaski Highway. And we are meeting in the fire pit out back. Bring your own chair. There's some logs there, but bring your own chair or meditation cushion and um, we are respecting social distancing. And so no hugs or handshakes, please. We're staying six feet apart. And um, the bathroom is available to us, but we are trying to all like, hey, just go pee before you leave and try to, so we don't have to enter the building and we're trying to keep, you know, you safe, them safe, everybody safe. Nice. And, and roughly how long's the meeting or? About an hour. We're talking about, because there's so many Buddhist things we want to talk about. So we're talking about doing the meeting for an hour. And then if nobody has the fire pit after us, just kind of hanging out to talk about those, like, uh, you know, other Buddhist topics that maybe didn't fit into the meeting. Like, oh, hey, I listened to this talk. Or what do you think about, you know, some guy wants to talk about chakras. And I was like, I don't know if that's appropriate for the meeting, but why don't we talk about it after the meeting? You know? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Do you think the Buddhism thing will throw people off? Like some people will be turned off by that idea. Like uh, people who might have come to recovery Dharma, if you just mentioned, Hey, we have these principles and they're pretty nice. Uh, but then they hear Buddhism and they're like, eh, that's not for me. I don't, I don't know if anyone would find recovery Dharma and not know that Buddhism is a big <laughs> part of it. Yeah. With the Dharma in the title. <laughs> you might have a point. I might not have known at one point in my life. <laughs> interesting, interesting. And so, uh, yes, feel free to go attend Recovery Dharma. Try it out. I know I've heard in some other uh, fellowships that I've gone to that if you go to a meeting and each meeting has its own style and feel and vibe, and so maybe you should attend like six different meetings before you decide if a certain program is right for you or not. And so I always think that's a, a great thing to say when you're thinking about a new meeting. Um, I think at some point I will try recovery Dharma as a meeting, at least maybe not you as should a come. replacement. <laughs> I don't think I'm ready to quite yet, but maybe, maybe soon. <laughs> I'm still uh, I'm still in not leaving my house mode, um, but maybe gotcha. when things get a little normal, I will definitely mm -hmm. at least come visit and say hi. You said it's Thursday night? Thursday night, and we're outside, and we're spaced out. 
Not spaced out meditation, spaced out six feet apart. Spaced yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> I know. I keep saying I want to try to make it Thursdays my home group night. So I'm like, ah, six thirty to seven thirty. If I left right from there, I might make it by eight. So we'll see. Well, I don't think we're going anywhere. If, if we've made it this long with like five people, we're you know we're good. I mean, we've gotten up to ten, but it's usually a meeting usually about like five people. <laughs> Awesome. Did you have anything else? Any final thoughts you wanted to say? Oh, um, what's the, is there any main differences between refuge recovery and recovery Dharma at this point? So uh, recovery Dharma is peer led with, uh, you know, no leaders, no teachers. And the book is different. And that's just, the. but I mean, if you went to a refuge recovery meeting, do you feel like it's, was it a big difference switching over from one to the other or did it feel pretty similar? It felt pretty similar. Like if I moved to a new area and refuge recovery was there, I would go to that. Um, but if I'm starting a meeting, it's going to be recovery Dharma. Gotcha. Yeah, I could, I could understand that. I'm not going to say any more about it. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on, Jenny. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thank, thank you Jenny. Thank you so much. This was a, uh, this was fun. I'm so sorry about the audio um, and That's all the all right. editing you're going to have to do, but um, this was, I'll cuss this you was an honor. This was fun. <laughs> um so and i'm i'm a fan of the show you got you actually in especially in early quarantine you guys were my meetings i was listening to your (laughs) podcast show seriously um so i'm a fan keep keep up the good work thank you for this oh thank you you. thank you so much thank you very much i will talk to you soon jenny all right bye. bye bye That wraps up this episode. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your preferred platform. If you have ideas for topics you'd like us to talk about or just want to add an opinion, contact us through Anchor, email us at recoverysortof at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at recoverysortof.